This is Lou Elizondo, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. I'd like to thank Motley Fool for sponsoring this episode. I've said before on ads that looking after yourself financially gets harder and harder with the cost of everything going up. Being a tight Scotsman, I use every method I can possible to save a little here or make the most of what I have there. Motley Fool is one way that you can definitely look to maximise your income from investments. The age of stock picking is here with towering inflation and elevating interest rates. Sticking your money in a passive market just isn't going to get you what it used to, but it doesn't mean you have to abandon the market. There are still ways to invest for the future. You just need to know where to look, which is where The Motley Fool comes in. The Motley Fool Stock Advisor Service highlights two stocks each and every month for members to add to their portfolios and it literally is paid to listen to them. Historically, their average stock recommendation is up over 400% as of April 10th, 2023. And listeners of That UFO Podcast can now access Motley Fool Stock Advisor for just $89 for their first year, a full $110 off the list price. What are you waiting for? Visit fool.com slash podcast. That's F-O-O-L dot com slash podcast to start your investing journey today. $110 discount off of $199 per year list price. Membership will renew annually at the then current list price. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and this is a look at the UFO hearings that just happened today in the United States. Joining me... I didn't know they were... I didn't know they were taking place today. Well... That's Dan, um, joining me from the UK. Um, he's back temporarily. Um, well, they, yes, they were today. Um, depending on when you listen to this, then they might be tomorrow. They might have been a few days ago. They might have been weeks ago. Could have been years ago if you're listening to this in the future. And <laughs> our alien overlords have landed and taken over. And these were totally a waste of time. But um, yeah, we're going to give some very what unfleshed out thoughts, instant reaction. Um, our opinion may change in a few days. So don't get angry. Don't send us a lot of hate. Um, but yeah. The Committee on Armed Services, Subcommittee on Emerging Threats and Capabilities, Dan, rolls off the tongue, yeah. had its UFO hearings essentially today for the layman. Um, no one get angry. Oh, it was UAP. Well, UFO hearings. Um, SEP. It, yeah, it's SEP, and we'll get to why it's SEP. But I like that, actually. That yeah. we'll, we'll get to why I like that. Um, we were met on the, the build-up with a lovely screen for about half an hour saying, hearing on the mission, activities, oversight and budget of the all-domain anomaly resolution office, coverage begins momentarily. That was the first lie because it uh, took about 45 minutes to an hour before it started. It did, yeah. <laughs> I, I was on a bus from London to Wales and like the whole time I was like, okay, I can watch this on the bus and make my notes and actually the hearing started as I got off the bus. Brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> I did say that to you, didn't I? I was like, I'll probably start late by the time it, by the time it kicks off yeah. because as some folks may or may not know, there were the two hearings today. The first one uh, that happened before this was the closed section. So classified security clearances required and as we normally say, and it is pure speculation, but probably the some of the good stuff was talked about that even if it's to do with foreign adversarial tech or the truly unknown stuff, interesting systems and sensor arrays they have, we don't get to hear about that. And that was discussed in the earlier portion. 
That then potentially overran when that finished. They took a break, came back in, and then had the open section. Um, what's What's really good about that part taking place first is it means that a bunch of the questions that we heard probably uh, at Gillibrand kind of trying to clue the public into a little bit more than than we would have known had they been the other way around, you know. Well, chairing it, if that's the right phrase, was uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand that many folks will know as a sort of advocate for the UAP subject within the political walls of of the United States governmental system, and also Senator Joni Ernst. Um, And if I'm right, Kirsten Gillibrand's a Democrat, Joni Ernst is a Republican. So sitting side by side, you had the kind of bipartisan representation of the UFO subject right there and there, which was great. Um, They both had kind of opening gambits opening statements uh kirsten gillibrand's was very much as we sort of expected she has a strong keen interest in this topic in this arena she's been a big advocate for it and Joni ernst i got the feeling not knowing senator ernst um lent towards it being foreign adversarial technology conversation that she was looking at very much china russia you know, what do China and Russia have? What are China and Russia doing? And that's how her questions were, were presented as it went on. Yeah. Um, early on, Dan, don't know if it struck you, but I expected uh, a bigger setting, a bigger room, more people. And I think others did online as well. Yeah, we, we last time we were actually, you know, in one of the main chambers, whereas this one just kind of seemed like a room off to the side. Yeah. Um, which is where fine, they keep, you know, where they keep you content, before you but, go to the main chamber. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. The the kind of place that I would expect the closed portion of the hearings to take place, I guess. Um, so so that was interesting to see, but it wasn't as you know, at least the table wasn't as long as Putin's table. You know, <laughs> in those pictures, that that could have been a bit extreme. But yeah, you had everyone kind of down one end and around the side, and and then Sean Kirkpatrick just kind of right down the other end of the tables, kind of where everyone could see him. Yeah, and in that smaller setting, we didn't have too many players, as as you mentioned. Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, who is the director of ARO, essentially the, the main guy in the UFO office right now for the United States, um, he largely made up who we heard from in this, this kind of hour and 10-minute session. It was very much, and I think some of the confusion online with people discussing and debating the expectations and what was going to happen was around the setting and who was going to be there and what was going to be discussed. This was largely Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick sitting there giving a presentation on, like it said in that early screen, the mission, activities, oversight and budget of Arrow. And then there was room for some follow-up, which we'll get to from Senator Gillibrand, Senator Ernst and the other senator that was asking questions. I missed her name. Uh, Jackie, Jackie Rosen. Okay, um, yeah. Senator for Nevada. She was talking about like the the safety of airmen in Nevada and yeah. you, you know things like that. Yeah, again, similar to Joni Ernst, though, very much aimed at the terrestrial prosaic military point of view. Yeah. Um, so again, we are watching this. Like any of you listening to this, will unlikely just be military enthusiasts and you know public servants. You have got an interest in the UFO topic, so that's why we have an interest in watching this. Um, However, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick came in with uh, opening comments. Um, He mentions it's been nine months since Arrow started. And I I don't know if you know this, Dan, you probably do, but it's not necessarily very, very common knowledge, I don't think. But Sean Kirkpatrick's team has only recently been fully assembled as well. He hasn't had that team in place for nine months. Yeah, that's right. In fact, yeah, I think yeah. the number thrown around was like maybe three people for the majority of it. Whereas today we heard that he has three dozen experts that are kind of part of Arrow, which is, you know, that's a lot more than we thought. That's encouraging. And it's the early days. It's baby steps. And I, I put out online that folks should remember. And again, this isn't 
this isn't me giving across opinion, which I always like to warn when I'm doing. Back during the the early days before the task force report was coming out and we were getting all that build up and we had Lou Elizondo on TV, Chris Mellon on TV, Sean Cahill on TV and a whole host of others, other talking heads talking about what could and couldn't come from the task force report. The main message that kept coming out was they had not had enough time to compel the report. They were being hamstrung. They were doing it with one hand tied behind their back and one hand over one eye and the pen was running out of ink. That was largely what was being said. And I think Chris Mellon kept saying it was three to four years would have been a more realistic timeline to actually get together, not even perfect, but a good amount of data, uh, a lot of knowledge, a lot of uh, compartmentalization to be brought together, different people to work together, different parts of the government. Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, no matter what you think of him before or after this, has been in charge of Arrow for nine months and his team has only recently assembled. That's not a lot of time. That's less than a quarter of the time, far less than a quarter of the time that Chris Mellon and others said would be required for this sort of thing to really work properly. And I think that's that's fair to say that much for, for the get-go, Dan, yeah? Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, it's still shocking to me that you know, data should have been handed over from UAPTF to AMSOG to Arrow, you, you know, all these incarnations of this office over the past few, few years. But in fact, it doesn't seem like they had much of a database previously. And, and that, you know, during these hearings, Sean was saying that they're kind of normalizing the reporting and the databases that they have. And this is great, but it kind of made me feel like we'd maybe wasted two years, you know, kind of with more speculative approaches and things like that. Um, so I, I was encouraged by Sean's kind of scientific, rigorous approach uh, that, that he was kind of walking us through today. How did um, you find it? Yeah, uh, him in general, I didn't mind how his character came across. This is just opinion. I know it, it, it divided some folks said it was typically boring to have people lose interest in the topic. I thought he spoke all right. There were glimpses of actually a personality coming across as well. Yeah. Did they want like flashing lights or something? I don't, I don't well, know. <laughs> yeah, they'd only be yeah, asking why they have rap. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he was better than Bray and Moultrie 100%. by far. Uh, and I think... I think what how he came across to me, not to jump too far ahead, but he was reasonable. And I I understand, and I shared a few texts with people afterwards, just saying, do you know what? I, I get a lot of his position. I get how he came across. I don't agree with all of it. And uh, actually, there's someone who isn't Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick. I'm a small bit disappointed in, and we'll, we'll come to that in a minute, um, in terms of how things came across. Interesting. Um, but yeah, the he, he mentioned implementing frameworks for better scientific analysis. It very much sounded like, you know, it's a start, but we need more money, more people, more time, you know, more backing um, and more help in a lot of different ways. And I don't think that's unfair given given where they're at. You know, it's it's it, the begging balls out a little bit in one hand. And I don't think that necessarily was was wrong because Senator Gillibrand seem to be quite open to supporting and you know do you need this yep then we can write a letter to your superiors authorities to help you get that and i wonder does that come from the classified briefing happening first that she's heard enough that and maybe i am looking at this glass half full she's heard enough in those early conversations that we don't hear to go enough's being done that i can i can be comfortable not hauling this guy over hot coals here and offering the backing and support required. 
Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair to say. You, you know, we heard her at several points say, you know, do you need more access? Do you need us to chase up, like the, for example, the the secure system where people can send uh, arrow information on legacy programs and things like that? Uh, she asked him when that was going to be established, and he said, you know, we submitted our plan before Christmas and we haven't heard anything. So then she responded with, okay, fine, we're going to help you chase that up then. So it, it seems like. At the very least, they they all view each other as on the same side instead of adversarial. It wasn't like Moultrie and Bray last time, like you said, where it felt like a kind of dog and pony show. That that wasn't the case at all here. It, it felt more collaborative, you know. Yeah, and he um, I've I've made a note to say I think some of the issue is that there are some folks, and it's not it's not unfair, okay, but they want a Richard Dolan or Linda Moulton Howe type personality or character in the position of Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, you're not going to get that in the highest levels of government. Even the most staunch of UFO or UAP advocates, maybe like a Gillibrand or a Burchett, I don't think would go that far. Um, And that can frustrate a lot of people. I think what you've got is someone who looks like they want to do, like he said, implement better frameworks for scientific analysis. Um, and this is where something I think has been maybe mis- misconstrued. And this is something that might change in the coming days as I read other people's analysis and allow my opinion to be fluid, like I've said. Sure. Um, but he said, and this was kind of a bit of a human touch, that Arrow's mission is to turn UAP into SEP. That's someone else's problem or somebody else's problem. That's funny. I like that, you know, a bit of humor. Yeah. Um, what that means for me is that all they would be doing in Arrow is identifying what an object is, what one of those cases is, and then they they don't have the authority to act on that. There's no then military wing of Arrow, unless I'm mistaken, that then goes out and finds whatever it is or, you know, tries to shoot it down, or they don't then order the Navy to send out, you know, jets from a fleet. That's not what happens. They're just there to data gather and hand it off to someone else and that's that's what he means by that isn't it because it then needs to go to the air force the navy the cia the fbi whoever it might be and they then deal with that from there yeah that's absolutely right uh the the bit i liked is where he said you know if we were ever to find something that was provably extraterrestrial then they would engage with nasa and nasa has a remit to be public facing and to talk to the public so I like that Sean is using those tools in a specific way. You know, he's building the database out. And as we know, 99% of things that people see in the sky that they think are strange probably aren't, but it's that 1% that we're kind of interested in. And and it's nice that Sean kind of almost has a workflow for any possibility, even though he hasn't come across it, he still knows what he would do if he came across it, which tells me that he's a little more open-minded than, you know, Bray and Moultrie, like we were last time. And, you know, hats off to Sean as well. There were no technical mishaps, no mucking about with three-second videos trying to kind of pause it in the middle. You know, he, nah. he was really well-prepared, and it came across as a well-prepared presentation. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get to the videos. And listen, if anyone's listening to this first 12 minutes and going, oh, here they go, being overly praiseworthy of Sean Kirkpatrick, we'll get to the issues, and there are, there are plenty of them. Um, but I thought when he said only a small portion of objects that they have looked at truly give off anomalous readings, most are prosaic, clutter balloons, that's that's fair and expected because that that is still true. You know, when they say half the cases, and we said this at the time when Julian Barnes' article dropped way back when, talking about the number of cases that were going to come out in that report, um, they said half of them were prosaic. 
but that doesn't mean the other half are all extraterrestrial. That means the rest haven't been, you know, identified. And we said, or I think a lot of people said, to be fair, a lot of those will still be prosaic, as in Chinese, Russian, US technology, balloons, hobby balloons, all that kind of good stuff. But there's still then the small percentage of those that are the the ET stuff, the non-human stuff, the interdimensional stuff, whatever you want to call it. That's what we are really in, interested and excited about. That's not going to, going to get mentioned in a hearing like this for me. And he was as dismissive to the ET hypothesis as I expected. And, and to quote what he actually said, um, only a small percentage of UAP reports have signatures that are anomalous. Most demonstrate mundane characteristics. And Arrow has, quote unquote, no credible evidence of extraterrestrial origins of objects. Let me annoy some folks just now, Dan. So he could have and should have said, if he meant what he said, no evidence of extraterrestrial origin of objects. He said no credible evidence of extraterrestrial origin of objects. Now, what he views as credible and what you and I or listeners or anyone else views as credible are going to differ wildly. So that's not to say there may be some evidence, might be might be weak evidence, might be evidence that right now they don't even know can they class it as evidence because they don't know what it is. But he said no credible evidence. And these are people that are usually pretty careful with their wording and are generally reading things off a bit of paper for the most part as well. So I I am choosing to go with when he says no credible evidence, that doesn't mean no evidence. I, I think you're exactly right on that. You, you know, they they said that they've had about uh, 12 people passed on to, to them to kind of testify. And in another part, Sean alluded to the fact that single source kind of data, so like eyewitness accounts on their own, don't really make up for evidence. It's interesting, but they, they can't really do much with that. Um, he, he wants the hard data and the multiple data points and things like that. So yeah, I think, I think that's what he's getting at. You, you know, so for example, Robert Salas, we know that he testified to Arrow. Do they have access to, to what Robert Salas kind of experienced to the data from that event? Probably not. It was a while ago, right? So he would probably put that in the, it's hard to kind of hold this up as a credible case. Um, not to say that, you know, I'm not saying at all that it didn't happen. Uh, I'm just trying to think from Sean's point of view in terms of, you, you know, the amount of data points that they have and the amount of sensors and things like that. Single source stories were, were put into Room 101 when we did that by Sean Cahill. And, and we're kind of just seeing that, you know, on a government level to kind of say, yeah, you know, these are interesting. They might help inform the trends and patterns when we're kind of applying uh, language learning models to these things, which is just chat GPT, basically. Um, but ultimately we can't prove anything with that one bit of testimony. Okay, let me get frustrated now. And for those who think I've been too kind on Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick and also the disappointing Senator Gillibrand, um, let me tell you why. And I'll <laughs> share some of those other, other issues as Shoot. well. Um, that's fair, 100%. I imagine maybe they've had some folks come forward and go, yeah, so who are you? Yeah, I am pilot, I am wingman, I am this, I am that. Uh, and I saw this object at this place at this time. Brilliant, amazing testimony. Um, but there's no data. We didn't really pick anything up. We didn't collect anything. Okay, that's great, thanks. And he looks at that and goes, this is the stuff that he mentions later to Senator Gillibrand. I've not been sent the best stuff, as he kind of put it. Okay, I'll paraphrase. Um, however, let's look at David Fravor. Alex Dietrich um, and those events. So where's the data from those? Where's the video of the Tic Tac? Because if what they are saying is correct, 
why hasn't he seen that? And I'm I'm assuming he has, because surely, for the love of God, those were some of the first bits of evidence he looked at. Um, what about the 23-minute the video of pure sci-fi, you know, we hear about? What about the videos and the evidence that senators like Burchett, Warner, Rubio, Gallagher, Gillibrand and co. are seeing in different, you know, briefings? Um, is he saying he's not seen that, or is he saying he's seen that, and none of that is at all interesting? <clears throat> Remind me, who was it that said about the 23-minute video? Uh, I think that exact quote is from, is it Bob Maguire? So, yeah. But yeah, right. Okay. I get Social that. media, right? Yes, 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 yes. However. <laughs> so, but even if you remove that, there's still yeah. tons of stuff there, so, right? Yeah. So scratch that, remove that, the 23-minute video, not to say it doesn't exist, because that was something that's been plucked out and injected into something that may or may not be correct. However, we're still hearing that senators are and congressmen and women are seeing evidence that is blowing them away. So where is where is that amongst this conversation? You know, what is a Tim Burchett getting so upset about that he has seen and heard that isn't being said here? And for me, and again, this might change, it's it's instant reaction, and I'm a nobody, I don't know, right? So Senator Gillibrand, if she ever heard this, would be like, what a dick, and she'd be right. But I expected more from Senator Kirsten Gillibrand on this, I don't think the pushback was anywhere near what I expected. I don't think the follow-ups were anywhere near as as powerful as they could have been. And the only thing I'm holding on to, and I hope this is the case, is that she heard enough in that closed briefing and closed session that satisfied what she wants to get out of all of this in terms of a long game that she needs to support Sean Kirkpatrick and his team going forward and to to maybe push anything like that in this setting wasn't the time and place. And that it's one of those that let's lose the war, but we'll, we'll lose the battle, but win the war. So today yeah. we take one on the chin and we have to move it down the line. Because ultimately, I'll be honest, I was a little bit disappointed with that. Um, Sean Kirkpatrick performed and said what I pretty much thought he would yeah same you know it was very similar to that transport kind of meeting slide thing that he did not not too long ago i think it was just a few days before the report you know very analytical very data-driven kind of presented what what he was given um but yeah i i would say the same as you you know some of the pushback i literally have a note here where I, i've just written drill down on anomalies and stop sucking up to sean it almost felt like they were patting him on the back for for some things that hadn't been done yet and I just wanted them, you know, every time it handed to a new person, they were like, oh, thank you for your work, blah, 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 blah. And it, I was just like that easily, you know, almost 15 minutes was just them praising each other. A little bit like at the the Oscars or the MTV Music yeah. Awards when artists stand on stage and it's like Beyonce giving Rihanna a award and they just they gush over each other. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like it's, it. it's not really the place for it. Like, I, I know they're being professional and I know that, you know, there's an order to these things. But the second that he said anomalies, I wanted Gillibrand to just hook onto that and just be like, okay, cool. Let's talk about these anomalies. You know, we'll, we'll give as much space to this as we're going to give to the Chinese balloons, for example. Okay. So, something that I kept seeing notable voices and people, and it's not wrong, um, go on about for a long time now on Twitter was that they're going to bring up crash retrieval programs. And that's going to blow everything wide open. Um, why didn't they? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, you, you know, the closest we got to it was talking about that, you know, secure submission system uh, that the people would be able to use. And 
they said, you know, we've had 12 people testify and stuff. We didn't really hear anything about them. We didn't hear any details. You know, the most detail we got were from the two presentations on those two videos that Sean showed. And beyond that, yeah, no, nothing was really pushed. It, it was a very comfortable chatting space, you know? It, yeah. I, I kind of, as much as I love Sean's approach in terms of, you know, we have to come up with new science sometimes to kind of explain things, Um I really wanted them to drill down on those anomalies. The second that he said somebody else's problem, they should have said, okay, everything that's SEP, we're not talking about here because it's not relevant to this discussion. Your remit is for the more anomalous stuff. It's in your name, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All domain anomaly. That's let's let's touch on those slides, okay? Um, because I think half of Twitter were um snipping tooling them as they as they popped up on the screen. Um, we saw shapes. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um so the first one, though, was UAP reporting trends, 96 to 2023. Uh, interesting data. Any reason for the 27-year time frame? And, you know, like, I ju- I've just... No, I don't think so. I, I haven't, mm-hmm. I you know, n- nothing been told. I, I guess maybe there's, like, a sensor that came in or multiple sensors. Yeah, that's when they get the best data from, you know. Uh, yeah, so fair enough. It could be. We'll find out more, I'm sure. It gave you some information on UAP altitudes, and it was pretty dismissive from the offset here because he says most of them are seen at this height because this is where commercial airlines are. That's pretty much it. Fair enough. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's speaking of the bias, right? You you, yeah. you can only detect things where you've got sensors but to detect also, things. also facts, isn't it, as well, that, yeah, people are going to see things at a certain height, which me looking up in the sky and going oh there's a satellite i don't know it's a satellite it could actually be a really high altitude jet i'm just saying because i'm not a trained observer and sure. you know, I'm, I'm guesstimating it um it also had on the same page typically reported uap characteristics wasn't a whole lot instantly interesting on that to be honest and um, color white silver translucent i believe he also said metallic when he was reading that bit but that's not on he the did, slide yeah yeah um but again maybe looking into it too much but he did say it. it's not on the slide hey ho um reported uap morphology um interesting there and it talks about basically the shapes of uap 50 percent or brown sphere as you would expect that is going to account as well and no doubt for stars um satellites starlink satellites you know all that kind of stuff people see jets planes at night um and also real orbs for those out there who are orb fans uh this stuff would be the stuff from the report that was like redacted right um so all of these shapes they'd spoken about before but they polygon avoided it polygon is an interesting polygon Polygon five five sided uh yeah 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 we'll go with that for that but yeah yeah yeah. oh no it's like 7.4 um (laughs) yeah but it's got sphere rectangle triangle uh cylinder tic tacs on there as well which is you know nice use of language um but yeah that was that was pretty much the first one and reported uap hotspots uh that are aren't surprising it's the places that normally come up because it's the the kind of western places with or um that that uap hotspot i can't remember who it was but a general said a few days back that it's a worldwide issue and, and everyone hooked onto it that map says that it's a worldwide issue because the U.S. have bases and they have sensors and they're detecting them all over the world. doesn't mean that there are aliens covering the planet. I'm not yeah. saying that they're not. I'm just being careful to interpret what Sean's kind of saying there, you know? Are they, though, Dan? Are they covering the planet? They're everywhere. Mm, yeah. Um, so the the next two slides, it wasn't a big presentation. The next two slides contained videos, and here's where some folks, again, no doubt will read into this how how they want to which is totally fair and it's been left open to interpretation um very quickly there were two videos played the first one was of a um an orb flying over the middle east straight away i think a lot of us thought 
and if you're watching on YouTube, you've just got an orb flying across Dan's screen. Um, you've, uh, God, that's off-putting. Um, even though I knew you were going to do it. The the Middle Eastern orb looked at a glance like it was the Jeremy Corbell, George Knapp, Mosul orb, um, but the video of it. Now, I asked Jeremy Corbell, and he said, no, it's not. And in the video, it's not the same um, landscape either. I no. just wondered, was it a different bit of the video maybe that still had came from that Jeremy had got? But he says it's not. So for, for all we know, that video could be designed to kind of say, you know what? Some of the videos are anomalous, but it doesn't really mean anything. Well, um, that was it, isn't it? Because it says on it, unresolved, inactive archive. So he gave this, uh, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick gave this as an example of, here is an orb, metallic looking, flying across. Uh, we don't know what it is, and we're still looking into that's it we don't have enough data to to really find out what it is right now so exactly um but that 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 isn't necessarily a bad thing what they're saying is we've got a video can't identify it so we need more need more sensors need more data for all we know in a few years time they could kind of go okay one of the trends is that there are definitely metallic orbs flying around and then this active archive orb becomes something that you know maybe fits that trend and they kind of go cool that's that then yeah Uh, the second one was an example of uh Here's something that's been identified. Looks um looks sort of cigar shaped. However, yeah. you can kind of see the trail coming off it. And I think whenever these things are posted online, people tend to straight away say signs of propulsion, it's the blood in the video. And they basically identify and show you quite quickly how it's the camera software artifacts being created and it's a Southeast Asian passenger jet. Um that's it. And that that's yeah. fair. And yeah, again, that, for that's me, great. That this reminds me, and people know I'm I'm a fan of Jeremy Corbell. Not that he gets everything right, but the video they put out a few weeks ago on Weaponized um, definitely looked like a missile to me. And until they can provide other data for that, I, I would go with it's a missile. Same way this shows you it's a plane. However, yeah. it gives you the example of there are some stuff identified and some stuff that isn't identified. They don't have enough data to fully say what everything is. That was it. That was the the summation of the slides, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That second one as well. Uh, it's pen and peer review. So it's not like Sean's just saying this in a vacuum. He's putting it to peer review in a paper. So again, just just like people refuted Avi's work, you know, when they were looking at the conventional physics of things and they submitted peer review papers, people can do this with this one as well if they if they feel that they're wrong. You know that this is the process. Um, Sean Kirkpatrick mentions that the quarterly uh, report is due very soon, and that the annual report schedule was due around June, July, and he says it'll be out around that time, and that will encompass several reports as well. So we don't have too long to wait before we've got the quarterly report, and then we'll get that bigger report around the June and July. We, we won't see the quarterly report. Oh, um, yeah, that's the, not yeah. a public-facing one, but what we get will kind of be a summation of all those quarterly reports over the year. It's going to be really interesting seeing it because. The last report that Sean produced was from the remit given to AIMSOG as opposed to, you know, the legislation that's most current. So there should be a bit of difference in there and a bit more detail. And if those slides are anything to go by, you know, a few more graphics and things like that. He, he seems intent on communicating this stuff properly and effectively. Um, Gillibrand asked about the website portal being available for folks to report and that was essentially what you mentioned before about you know, whistleblowers are able to come forward without fear of reprisal or you know condemnation from the roles they're in now um, and did, yeah. did you notice he, he said that um, a lot of the unclassified things so uh, you, you know a non-anomalous case that they've solved they're going to start posting those to a web portal where we can see the workings and, and stuff like that which I think is great it's it, you know it's transparency where we've wanted it you know yeah um after that dan it seemed to me like he was largely wrapping up 
And yeah, I, I kind of, I was disappointed in the follow-up questions. And when something was asked, I was waiting for Senator Gillibrand to hit him with something that was going to make him either have to say, I can't talk about that, or give us something to say we can't answer that you know, fully, or and it just didn't come. Um, uh, so yeah, that's the disappointing part for me massively. Uh, at one point, someone said, you know, I have a million questions, and then actually they maybe had like two. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. The follow-ups could have been better. And this is a long game. You know, we've spoken about this before. This is going until 2026, 2027. So this, for me, going into it, I expected them to use this to kind of go, okay, this is going to inform legislation this year. Now the defense bill, we're going to put more stuff in to help Arrow to kind of get this further down the bo- the, the field. And that seems to be what, what happened, you, you know, as we were watching it, she kept referencing, okay, we'll put this in the bill. We'll put this at that in the bill um, just, just to kind of help out. So yeah, like the work is ahead of us, but it's, it's clear that he's trying to set up a, a very data driven system. But like you say, ignoring that pile of anomalous stuff, uh, is is a little disheartening. Yeah. Um, from there, it finishes up. It seems like they had the time of about an hour to run to, and I think that's why it kind of ended there, didn't it? Um, there wasn't a whole lot much more followed up on. And I think at this point, if you're asking me right after the event, maybe I'll change my mind in a few days, um, treading water a little bit. I don't think we've gone back, but I don't think we've gone forward. Um yeah, it's, it kind of felt like a mid-year review for Arrow. You, you know, like yeah. nothing too crazy was given. No one's getting fired. No one's getting promotions. It was just, yeah, this is going. Yeah, it's going. It's happening. It's a thing. Um, but yeah, what we'll do is we'll give it a couple of days. If you want to get in touch and let us know your thoughts, do it on the usual channels, post on social media. Ideally, email ufouapam at gmail.com and I get it all in one place, which is nice. Um, we'll look at for some reaction at that point as well. There's not been too much so far from um, the kind of bigger names that we're looking for to comment on this. And there will and be. <laughs> yeah, and there will be, no doubt, over the next day or two, a couple of blogs and articles. And we'll look to get something else out on Friday. But this has just been a more of an instant reaction We've not went back over it and listened to it again. Um, but yeah, honest thoughts. Interesting. Um, I would uh, always rather these things. Uh, survive and a half. More, more, more Ant-Man quantum mania than Endgame, <laughs> would we say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, five and a half. Like, And that's more of a, I'm glad they happen. I would rather these happen than don't. But... I completely get the side of the frustration on this one. But yeah, there's like a couple of really, I'd almost rather he said no evidence of extraterrestrial origin rather than no credible evidence. Cause I will argue that yeah. one because I'm just going with what was said. Yeah. It's judgy yeah. Where, where he's kind of saying, no, no, this is data driven. And yeah, then, but, but what I'll do is I'll speak to, you, you know, the person I know that knows Sean and kind of just try and get a little bit of light shed on that because it might be totally innocuous and we're just taking it in the wrong way you know um but yeah for now i guess burn him no i'm kidding like six out of ten for me (laughs) i might um i might pay for our linkedin premium again tonight and be like come on sean Patrick, (laughs) come on do 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 non-human intelligence just say it just say it once for us just say it once we can take it off on our bingo cards then and and then the ball starts rolling and the conversation starts happening you know because people will go what's nhi 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, we'll be back on Friday um, with a, a bit more of a rounded update on, on what people have thought about this. It's happened. Share your thoughts. Thanks for listening, Dan. Welcome back to the UK and the quality sound again. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And it's, uh, it's nice to be back. However long that lasts for, of course. <laughs> That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little I'd like to thank Laird Superfood for sponsoring this episode. My nutrition has changed a lot over the last year since I decided to look after myself a little bit more, not just for me, but my family too. One constant though is my coffee, and you'll know I'm a big coffee lover. It's not just part of my morning, but my daily routine. Laird Superfood and their creamers have been a bit of a game changer for me and taking my coffee game to a whole new level. It's the perfect way to not only fuel your morning, but your whole day with organic, natural, plant-based ingredients. And for me, as a diabetic, there is no sugar from highly refined corn syrup. There's also a huge variety of snacks, baking mixes and protein options for you to try, all made with plant-based ingredients to keep you charged for whatever life takes you. Are you ready to feel more energised, focused and supported? Go to lairdsuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunset to sunrise. Use promo code THATUFO at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today.